Good morning, church. That was robust, great. So delighted that you have come together to worship, whether you are online or in person. We're here to worship the Lord. Will you please join me in the call to worship? Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are also his. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Please stand.
us remain standing as we come now to a time of confession, remembering that when we offer God our confession, we engage in the transformational work of reconciliation, which begins with our reconciling to God. Please join me in the prayer of confession printed in your bulletin. Eternal and almighty God, to you is due all praise and thanksgiving. You are a gracious, loving Lord, but we create false gods we choose to worship. Money, power, and pleasure guide our steps, not your life-giving Holy Spirit. We put our trust in our efforts, not in your grace and truth. We value what our culture offers, not the clear teachings of Scripture. Forgive us for our idolatry, O God. Please sons disciples to the, to the glory and honor of your name. Through Christ we pray, amen. Hear now these words of assurance and hope. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy in Christ Jesus we are forgiven. Now, folks, may the, priest, may the peace of Christ be with you and also with you. Now, hug somebody that you know really well, say hello to someone that you don't know quite as well, and welcome them to this great Sunday morning worship. Father's Day. Yay. So I love it that Jack goes, who's had a father? We all raise our hands. But if you are a father, God bless you, grandfather, great-grandfather, and thanks be to God, our Father in heaven, the best father and model for each of us. So I pray you enjoy your day. Father's Day, thank you for coming before your afternoon barbecue. Uh, Padres, thanks be to God, are in another city, so I don't have to worry about you exiting quickly for that, but there we go. I want to welcome the masked man over here, Dr. John Russell, who is here leading our choir this morning, so thank you so much, John. John uh, served in our church both as a vocalist and as an interim director of music. He is standing in for Juan, and Juan Acosta, along with our pastor, Jack Baca, Right now, they are in Montreat, North Carolina, at a Presbyterian worship conference this week. So keep them in your prayer, and then um, buckle up for what happens when they come back. I mean, learned all this new stuff out there. There we go. Next Saturday, we have our branch barbecue. We do it on once a month. It's always the fourth Saturday of the month. It's down at Mariner's Point. We have maps online, as well as um, if you need one, just call me and I'll send one to you. We arrive a little bit before noon. It takes about an hour, hour and a half out of your day to serve those who are hungry, to serve the homeless. You will bless them 
and you will be blessed. So we encourage you to be a part of that. We, uh, all the food is provided by the Harbrick Foundation, but we need your cookies, dessert. And so you can either bring it with you, or if you want to drop it off here at the church by Thursday, we will collect it and take it down with us for the Saturday um, feeding. So please be aware of that. On, Feb on July, I'm in February still, hello. Okay, July 3rd, we have a barbecue right outside after the service. We're having a 10 o'clock unified service. So we're all going to gather in here, enjoy a wonderful worship, and then we're going to go outside and we're going to have a barbecue together. There'll be games for the kids, probably for the adults too, a bouncy house, all these wonderful things. We just want that time to be spent together in fellowship. So I encourage you, uh, if you're online, maybe that's a day you just kind of want to watch the service and then come on over and uh, fellowship with us. It's a wonderful opportunity to get to know people. And um, tomorrow, we have our vacation Bible school. And so I'm very excited. So you watch the decor. It looks a little different in here. I know that all of you have seen the popsicles, the pizza, the donuts. The only thing on your mind right now is food. I get that. <laughs> Hopefully we can focus a little bit. But Vacation Bible School starts tomorrow. We're delighted that we have kids coming. And, um, and also as part of that, we have the San Diego Rescue Mission that we are partnering with during this week. And I'm inviting up Ashley Gusick, who, thank you, who is going to share with us in our moment for mission. So welcome. Hi everyone, good morning. My name is Ashley Guzik. I serve as a church partnerships coordinator at the San Diego Rescue Mission. And typically our president and CEO, Donnie D, is the one who is up here giving you guys the rescue mission update. However, since I wasn't invited to speak, I think that gives me a new promotion. And if you see Donnie D, please let him know about this new job change. But all kidding aside, I just wanna thank pastors Jan and Jack and just the entirety of Village Church for your faithful and committed partnership to us the past few years. And if you don't know, the Rescue Mission is a faith-based 12-month residential and rehabilitation program for those experiencing homelessness. And you don't have to look far to know that we are in the midst of a serious homeless crisis. But we say if you are tired of living on the streets, if you're over sleeping on the pavement each and every night, then we invite you to come to be a part of what God is doing in your life because we know that you're not gonna find it on a cold concrete. Uh, this week, your kids at VBS will be invited to take inventory and food inside their own house and bring in food and faith and love um, for our brothers and sisters in the rescue mission and those still on the streets. In the book of Exodus, which we are reading at VBS, uh, God provides for his people in physical provision in the form of quail and manna, and also in spiritual provision um, in the power of his presence. Uh, similarly, this week, we are going to be feeding our brothers and sisters, um, letting them know that even though they may be in a spiritual desert, that they are not deserted, and that uh, we haven't forgotten about them and God, their Heavenly Father, hasn't forgotten about them. If you have any questions about this week's BBS or about the rescue mission, I have a table out back and I'd love to talk to you more. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. As I said in first service, I want to be there when you talk to Donnie. <laughs> As we prepare to bring our tithes and our offerings this morning, I just want to take a moment for us to remember that 
this is Juneteenth. On June 19, 1865, two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation, federal troops arrived at Galveston, Texas to let the 250,000 slaves that were still working as slaves know that they were free. Our two anthems today were written by African-American composers, and we are delighted because of the contributions they make within the church and within not just our church, but the whole church community. So I would ask that as you bring your tithes and offerings and as you listen to the anthems, that you reflect on this day, a day of freedom.
Uh, as a good Presbyterian, I'd like to make a motion among the group that we grant John and the choir an extra ration of donut holes on the patio. <laughs> All in favor? <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> yep, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. It's praising God for his goodness. Let us now come humbly to pray for our world, our church, and all people before we join together in the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in a world that seems to have gone mad and lost its way, we come to you this morning, not just seeking answers, but seeking strength and courage for the days ahead. We pray for courage to be the people that you have called us to be, people who seek justice and peace through your love for all your people. We struggle with questions that seem to have no answers and problems that have insurmountable solutions. We admit to being a deeply divided people, Lord. As we look and listen to people in our nation and around the world, so many seem divided and at war with one another, either through words and actions, or worse, through guns and killing. Yet we know that your love is all-encompassing, gracious God, never-ending, always forgiving, unconditional. You are our true hope for the world. Merciful God, this morning we lift up the people of Birmingham, Uvalde, Buffalo, Syria, the Ukraine. Give them strength and courage for the days ahead. Help us to find ways to abolish rancor, hatred, and alienation, to wash away the stain of injustice and affirm all of your people. Surely, we know that you love us all and consider each one of us important and a part of your creation. Help us to be more like your son, who you sent to show us how to live and respect others. Today, O oh God, we celebrate and ask your blessing, blessing, blessing upon all those who are the fathers or role models for fathers in our lives, teachers, coaches, grandfathers, uncles, single moms who both mother and father their children, Sunday school teachers and pastors. Give them patience and understanding and unconditional love for those to whom they are a role model. Still, we know that you are the father to us all and you love us more than any earthly parent could. This morning, we lift up those in our congregation who are sick or hurting in any way, and the families and friends near and far who have lost loved ones. Give them peace and strength to face their challenges and loss. Give strength to the addicted, comfort to victims of violence, and help us to find ways to minister to the unhoused and the hungry. But God, we also lift up those troubled souls who are bullies, persons who are perpetrators of harm, those who feel the need to put others down through some name-calling and derision. For these, too, need your love. 
please use people in their lives to show them a different path, a path to goodness and hope. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit and protection upon your servants, Pastor Jack and Pastor Jan. Guide Pastor Jack and the Outreach Commission in their important work for Ukraine. Inspire Pastor Jan and to open our hearts and open our ears to hear as she brings your word to us this morning. God, we ask you to help us to be change agents in this world. Give us courage to speak out about our faith, to teach those around us about your love for all people, and to lead by example, showing and speaking with respect to others. Help us to see you in the moment-by-moment -moment possibilities to live with integrity, to act courageously as your people, to speak the love of God in our words and actions, indeed, to sing a new song to all the earth. All these things we ask in the name of the Prince of Peace, the great spiritual emancipator, who taught his disciples to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
Will you please stand with me for the reading of the gospel according to Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people, one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you just as you did it to one of the least of these members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and for his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me and naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of me, you did it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment and the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Pray with me, please. Gracious and holy God, as we come to look at this text, we ask your Holy Spirit to guide us. We ask, Lord God, that we would see afresh these words, that by your grace and your love we will embrace what we have seen and what we read. Holy Spirit, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. One of my favorite books is the book East of Eden, Steinbeck. Steinbeck was not known to be a Christian, certainly um, also with that, not a Presbyterian, but in the 34th chapter of East of Eden, he kind of becomes a Presbyterian, and he begins to contemplate things, and the whole chapter is his musing about that. But he said this, I believe that there is one story in the world and only one that has frightened and inspired us. 
Humans are caught in their lives and in their thoughts and in their hungers and ambitions and their avarice and cruelty and in their kindness and generosity too in a net of good and evil. I think this is the only story we have and that it occurs on the level of feelings and intelligence. Virtue and vice are warp and wolf of our first consciousness and they will be the fabric of our last. And this despite any changes we may impose on field and river and mountain, on economy and manners. There is no other story. A man, after he has brushed off the dust and chips of his life, will have one, will have left only the hard, clean question. Was it good or was it evil? Have I done well or ill? as if we are the arbitrators of our lives. And in about 20 minutes, maybe 18 if I'm really quick, we're gonna to stand together and we're going to say the Apostles' Creed and a line in that goes like this. He will come to judge the quick and the dead. So the scripture shouldn't surprise us, but it's a little vexing. I want to take a few moments and I want us to look at what Jesus is saying. He's talking, this is his last story that he shares before he starts into Jerusalem and the crucifixion. Now in chapter 24, and I'm just going to back up just for a little bit so you get it in context. He is with his disciples and he's teaching them and he talks about both the end times and the last judgment. And the last judgment story, which we read, is the final story, as I said before, Jesus' public teaching. It's unique to Matthew. And I make a joke, and that is that normally Jack gives me really difficult texts to preach on, not very popular, not very fun. I can't blame him for this. <laughs> I picked it all on my own. It's like it's a struggle, but it's on my heart. And part of that is because we use this text, especially the verses that I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you clothed me, I was naked and, and I was in prison and you visited me and I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And we like that and so we have it on our mission commission. It's part of our logo. We have it on our asylum seekers. It's part of our logo. We have it with our Harbreck Branch barbecue. It's part of our identity. We put it in there, but what is the scripture really saying to us and talking about? So if we back up just a moment to chapter 24, Jesus is with his disciples and he's telling them that the end times are going to be here. I will come back. That is a promise that Christ gives his disciples. It's one that he gives for us. And then he tells us some things that should help us. First is, it is unknown to anyone other than the Father in heaven when Christ will come back. Even Jesus doesn't know when that will be. No one knows when the Lord will return. So he said, be ready. It's the first thing he says, be ready. And he puts it in the context of Noah, at the time of Noah, right before the ark kind of got launched. He said, you know, people were occupied with life. They were occupied with everything. And so it will be when the son of man returns. 
So have a mindset that you're ready for whenever that will be. And then he secondly, he said to the, to the disciples, I, while you're hanging out, make sure that your life is reflective, that you are indeed engaged in the world as one who waits for Christ's return. Be good stewards of that time. Be ready to show an account of that. And then he gives this example of a steward, uh, a parable. He actually has three parables in leading up to our text today. And the first is you have a steward, and the steward is taking care of the master's belongings, and, but he's, he's kind of distracted because he's not here. Like our kids, we're not in the room, and they're doing crazy things. So uh, kind of distracted, and all of a sudden, this good servant becomes an evil servant. Because, well, the king's not back. I'll do what I want. And he becomes abusive. And then the king does return. The king does return. And there are consequences of that. Jesus said to his disciples, be ready, be good stewards, and know that I may be delayed. I may be delayed. We are not a patient culture. I know this because I see you watch your watches. There you go. We're not a patient culture. But Jesus said, I may be delayed. I may not be here exactly when you think I'm going to be here. And then he gives the parable of the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids, which is exactly what they are, and they're waiting for the bridegroom kind of to collect them to go to the wedding party. It's a long process, but he hasn't come. And they kind of get distracted. They fall asleep. And when he finally gets there, only five of them have enough oil to follow him in the dark streets to the wedding banquet. Because they forgot that it could be a long time. So Jesus said, be ready, be good stewards, know that I may be delayed. And then know that I've given you the ability to wait and to watch and to be active. So what I've given you and equipped you with, don't make it an idle time for you. And the third parable that he gives is the one of talents. Now talent, a talent is worth about 16 years worth of wages. Kind of important to know that. So for the first one, he gives them 10 talents. Go out and do something good with this. I'll eventually be back. He gives another five. Here's five. Go out and do good stuff, stuff with, this, with these talents. I will be back. And then he gives one talent to one person. says, do a good job. I'll be back. You know this parable? He comes back, and the first guy with ten has doubled that ten. The guy with five has doubled that. And the guy with one goes, oh, I know you're really a tough guy, so I just buried it. It's still here. I've done nothing with it. The gifts you've given me, the talents you've given to me, I've done nothing with it, but look, they're still here. It's like you don't waste, don't waste waiting. Use what God has given you to do well. And then it brings us to our story, which is not a parable. It's a story about the last judgment. We get a little confused uh, because he talks about sheep and goats. I'll talk about that in a moment. But it begins with this, Christ's return is coming in glory. 
with all the angels. It is spectacular. It is amazing. It is glorious. When you hear glorious music, I think you get a touch of heaven with that. So thank you. The glorious things that we see, but it is so much greater than that. We live on the West Coast. We see sunsets. They're spectacular. Go up on a mountain and see a sunrise. It is dark and then it's bright. It is glorious. Glorious when Christ comes. Glorious with his angels. And then he said he will come, he will return, and he will judge. Good to know that Jesus is the judge, not us. Now, again, we might think because he uses the sheep and the goats and he's talking about something that the people understood. Now, maybe you're a shepherd, maybe you're a goat keeper, you would get this. But what would happen at night is you would take all the sheep and you would herd them into one pen and all the goats and you would herd them into the other. Now, as you know, I got back from Santiago way not too long ago and um, the goats, were they not the cutest things you would ever seen? They were adorable little baby goats. They would jump around, they were excited. The sheep were like full of wool and dirt and they just kind of mannered, but they're great followers. Sheep are really good followers. Goats, not so much, but they're adorable. So just know that they're separated and Jesus is using that example because they would understand that. Sheep are on one side, goats are on the other. And then he turns to the sheep and he begins to say, this is what you have done. But he puts it in this context. One is he's talking to people, not just to nations, even though all the nations are gathered. All of humanity is there, both the angels and human kind all gathered together and he's going to separate them not the nations but the people that's why they're a little surprised see in both of these texts both those that are the righteous and those that are the unrighteous they're kind of shocked they're kind of shocked by that so he judges the people not on their status or their wealth or their lack thereof or the nation that they came from he does it on each individual person the righteous and he said, come to the righteous. Come, you blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You who are righteously called by my father from the get-go, come. Now, as I say, they're both kind of surprised, which makes me a little nervous. <laughs> But Jesus is our judge, we are not. In these verses, I think about again how we use that so often. This is who we want to be. We want to be those who care and take care of, of the sick and the poor and those without clothing and those in prison and those who are home and need visiting. That's what we want to do. That's who we want to take care of. But I ask a greater picture, who are those people that Jesus is referring to? And I would say, for us, a good way to describe them are they are people without options. They can't call up somebody to come and collect them and help them. Perhaps there's nobody willing to go and visit them in prison. Or they're sick and they don't have family or friends and they're all alone, they just don't have options. But more than that, I would say they're people who are invisible. 
to most of the world. Along, not too long ago, a couple decades ago, a musical came out called uh, Chicago. It became a movie, it's, and in the movie and in the musical, you had Roxy Hart, who was uh, a murderess, <laughs> and she's on trial. Now, Roxy's married to Amos. Amos Hart is kind of not, not super bright, not really with it, not attract, not any of those things that you think would be worth looking at. And in fact, he sings a song called Cellophane. And the chorus goes like this. I'm just cellophane, cause you can look right through me, pass right by me, and never know I'm there. I think that fits the description of those who are marginalized, those who are without means, those who have no options, those who are invisible to so much. The amazing thing is in this text, Jesus doesn't say you went to see the sick and you healed them, or you went to the prisoners and you got them out of prison, or those who are hungry, they had enough food for the rest of their life. It's just these little tiny acts of goodness, of righteousness that they're doing. So here's our struggle. I think we get caught up in thinking, have I done enough? What, what should I do? Is it, going to be, is it going to be enough? And we began to make those lists. I love it when people go, well, I have this book and I'm keeping, you know, I'm just going to show this to, to God when Jesus comes, you know, and, and then he'll see all that I did. It becomes a works righteousness, and that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Because no matter what you do, it will not be enough. What's going to satisfy the Father in terms of your work is not your work, but your love. The righteousness is God's love. See, Jesus is coming back, and Jesus will judge. And as we embrace that grace that Jesus gives to us, and this is, this is probably the most important thing that we say, we are saved by grace, not by works, Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith, through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works so that no one can boast. If Jesus didn't die for our sins, then our works would matter. If Jesus didn't come to redeem us and live a life without sin to say, I have redeemed you, then that list might become essential. But that's not what scripture tells us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is a work of Christ. This is what it means that the Father's righteousness is that which we have embraced in his son Jesus. Philippians 3, Paul reminds us, not having any righteousness of my own, just saying, no righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God. 
depending on the faith that we have, which is a gift. Tells us that because more than anything else, I think we want to remember that as people of God, what we do is out of an exuberance of the love poured into us that naturally pours out of us. A good preacher said it better than I. Wait for Jesus. He is coming back. Make good use of that time. It may take longer than you think. God will want to know what you're doing. But the people of Jesus whose lives are so transformed by the gospel that they unconsciously serve others. That's why it's a surprise. When did I ever do this for you? It's a surprise. They just act out of the love of God in them. Love the Lord. That is the love language. And it's the love language that the Father gives us in loving us. Which I think it's great on Father's Day to know the love of the Father in heaven. So St. Francis of Assisi, we've got that wonderful um, stained glass out there. Thank you to a member of our church who has it on loan, I hope permanently, but it's on loan for now. And St. Francis of Assisi, who gave all his wealth away to serve, he was walking along the street and he saw a man um, full of leprosy. And if you have read any history, it's not a pretty sight. Uh, you lose limbs, you're disfigured, everything about you, and you're an untouchable. So you turn your head when you walk by them, but he saw this person. St. Francis of Assisi went over to him and embraced him. Just couldn't help himself. He just thought he needed a hug. And as he looked at the face of this leopard, he saw the face of Jesus. He saw the face of Jesus. William Wilberforce, who served in the parliament, and he started a very young man, about 21, and about four or five years into serving in Parliament, he became a follower of Jesus, so, so full of Christ that he thought, I, I see what's going on. I see the slave trade in my country. I cannot be a part of this. I think I should leave and become a pastor and preach to people about this injustice. And he went to his friend, John Newton, and Newton said to him, they need you in Parliament. They need you to be the change maker to do what is just, what is righteous. And that's what he spent his time in Parliament doing. And 50 years later, when he was but three days before the good Lord called him home, and the law had passed, and slavery uh, trafficking had been abolished by Parliament, someone said to him, well, now that you've abolished this slave trade, what will you do next? And his answer was to abolish the next injustice. Wilberforce was so full of the love of Jesus, he could do no other. There are people that I see normally they are um, so you can feel more comfortable, maybe. They are fringes, perhaps in a church, perhaps they've not been in a church, perhaps they were at one time and they're gone, they're near death and they just want a pastor to come and pray with them. And so as I go, I have heard more than once someone say, I hope I'm good enough. 
and inside me, I want to quickly answer, no, you're not. It's not really a teachable moment when you're in your deathbed, but I think about it. You don't have to worry about that because Christ's work on the cross is sufficient. Embrace the work of Christ, and as you do so, it cannot help but pour out of you in love for others. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jan. Now let us stand and affirm our faith, the basic tenets of our faith, by proclaiming the Apostles' Creed as printed in the bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
I do pray that the love of God has embraced your life, that the grace of our Lord Jesus fills you each moment of the day, and that you are guided by the Holy Spirit in all that you do. So now go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Show love to everyone. Love and serve the Lord rejoicing at every opportunity. And may the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit fill you now and always. Amen. Thank you.